Hey friend, motherhood gets hard, entrepreneurship gets hard, but together we can do hard things. This is the Mom CEO Suite. In the suite, there's no shade and no shaming, just sharing and support so we can all thrive at this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Felicia, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. Join me as I share my journey, challenges, and aha moments, along with the experiences and expertise of other modern-day moms in business. Welcome to the suite. Welcome to another episode of the Mom CEO Suite. So excited that you guys are here for another episode. And today in the suite, we have Elaine Mingus. Elaine, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm awesome. Go ahead and tell us about yourself and about your business as well. I am Elaine Mingus, and I am a homeschooling mom of seven children, ages four to 18 years old, and have been married for 20 years to my knight in shining armor. He puts out all my fires, and which there are many. <laughs> and I am a entrepreneur and businesswoman. I run a successful vintage furniture reselling business in the Austin, Texas area. And I'm running for Mrs. Texas and just doing as much stuff as I can fit into this one little life that we're given. Oh my goodness. So much good stuff. So much to unpack here. So let's start with the homeschooling because I know that is something that a lot of moms, they think about doing or is something they might be considering. So why did you decide to homeschool your children? I didn't actually choose homeschooling. I feel like homeschooling chose me. I always dreamed that I would be a famous writer living in New York, walking down the streets of New York and sipping espresso. I did not expect to have seven kids. I did not expect to live in the suburbs of Austin, Texas. And so I just had play, I actually sent my oldest daughter to kindergarten and I was pregnant with my third kid at that point. And my sister kept saying, you should homeschool. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm a career woman. I want to have a, I just, I want to be in an office. I want to do all the things. And she just kept pushing it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start praying about it. And I just started praying about it. And it just, I really believe that God gives us breadcrumbs. And it was just like little breadcrumbs that were like, yes, this is what I want you to do. And I just jumped all in after I took her out or she finished out her kindergarten year. And then in first grade, we started homeschooling her about 13, 14 years ago. She has now graduated and she's attending college. And yeah, just and then I didn't realize I was going to have so many kids that I'm going to have to continue to homeschool throughout the years that we're in like our 14th year of homeschooling. Wow, that's amazing. So tell us, what does a typical day look like for you when you're homeschooling? And I think really, if you can touch on how you're able to homeschool seven children and still be able to run your business. So we started this particular business in 2019. And as COVID hit and shut down the world. So I was able to run this business and homeschool at the same time because my husband was at home. And so unlike a lot of the world, my children were always at home anyhow. So nothing really changed in the homeschooling realm for us during COVID, except for my husband was able to, we're supposed to, we're doing this in tandem, which is the first time in 12, 13 years that we were able to do that because he had a traditional job. He's a videographer and he would work late night. 
And so as we grew this business and scaled it up to the level that it is now, he's actually been still working at home and half homeschooling. And we started our e-commerce, the e-commerce side of our business in January, 2020. And I said, okay, by June, 2020, if we're doing well, we're going to bring you home full-time. And then I'm going to work full-time and you're going to help me homeschool the children or take over the homeschool full-time. So now he is, this is his first official full year of homeschooling himself, which is exciting because I was fixing to go through the third round of reading the same textbooks again to third set of children. And uh, so he gets to read them and he gets to learn with them and experience that. So it gives me a little bit of a break and lets him enter into that world. And because there's just some really great curriculum out there, it's super interesting to read and he gets to spend all the time with the kids. And so that's how I'm able to do it now. Awesome. Awesome. So now for somebody who might be considering homeschooling, were there certain sites you were looking on or certain types of research? What did that look like, the whole research piece when you started the journey? Yeah. So we started in 2009 homeschooling and there was just a lot of homeschooling bloggers out there and reading what they had. There's a lot of books about homeschooling and different methods. And so we just figured out what worked best for us. Luckily, we had a friend just gift us an entire pack for my daughter, which was nice because one of the things with homeschooling is you don't realize that you're trying to homeschool the first year. A lot of it is just you learning how to interact correctly with your child and less about the actual curriculum. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of tears, a lot of things I learned about myself and a lot of patience that I had to grow as a mom, dealing with somebody who, you know, doesn't know things. And I remember I had huge regrets of like when I taught contractions, like she just wasn't getting it. Had I known then, what I know now is that contractions are literally taught almost every year in English. I could have been a lot more patient and a lot more gentle with her instead of like really being like, why don't you get it? I don't, I don't understand. Just taking that first year and learning each other was really probably what I did the most. And then after that, I figured out like what I wanted to do, what kind of homeschooler I wanted to be. Did I want to be a Charlotte Mason or eclectic or all these things that are word that run around in the homeschooling realm. And yeah, it just, it was just always a learning process. And we've even changed curriculums throughout the year. It's something that was really working to suddenly stop working because we had so many children and we changed to an online program. It's just always a work in progress. Wow. And I think with anything new that you're trying, it is a work in progress. And when it's something new, you're learning about yourself as well. It's like these things come up in you that you have to address as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I've considered homeschooling when my daughter gets older. One of the concerns my husband has is her interacting with other kids. Was that something that you were worried about with your children? You have seven, so I don't know if that was really a concern, but is there a way that you still help them to do other social activities? Yeah, it definitely is a concern and not everybody has seven kids. Now we have, my sister lives across the street. She has six kids. I have seven kids. We have 13 kids. Within, right. a, within literally less than a block of each other, able to hang out and connect. We're really active in our church community. But as there are some pitfalls when it comes to making sure that your children are socialized and they're specifically for having a big family, I spent a lot of time pregnant or nursing a tiny baby. And so the older children, 
I had to really work hard at making sure that they could connect with other children because I was tired and nursing and we, had, we were lugging a baby around. And so they definitely kind of probably missed out on some of the social interactions they could have had if I had less children. But we definitely tried really hard. We went to co-op groups and different homeschooling mom groups that were available in the Austin area. And we have a really thriving homeschool community. So we're lucky to be able to connect with people. And we have not found that there's a lack of people, especially when you're active, like whether you're active in your church community or in some other community group that you're involved in, I think that's a really good place to have those interactions. And you can be more purposeful and intentional with those interactions. They're not just any child that's being sent to school. It's children you specifically know their parents, know their values, and want your children to hang around. I think that's some really great insight. So definitely thank you for sharing that I want to switch gears a little bit and talk business. So I read somewhere that you had other previous businesses that you made the decision to shut down. So how were you able to make the decision to say, okay, it's time to shut this down? And then what lessons did you learn from that that were able to translate into this new business venture that you have? I learned so much. I learned what to do and what not to do. I had a blog, a fairly successful blog for 10 years. At the end of it, I had about 50,000 followers. I had written on other websites that were created by New York Times bestsellers. I had 12 titles on Amazon. I was speaking and writing in a multitude of different areas, but financially, it was not really paying off. I was working a whole bunch and not getting a lot of compensation for that even with t-shirt sales or ebook sales. And I was constantly hustling and it was really tiring. Some things happened where I was going to New York and being interviewed for a really prestigious job. And right before Thanksgiving, they called and said that I had not gotten the job and I was absolutely crushed. And it was like that point where I was like, this isn't working, this isn't working. I am beating a dead horse and I need to be making money for my family. And so that was right before 2020. I had been selling furniture before that and gotten into that redoing my health. And I just really poured myself into reselling furniture at that point because I was just wanted something to not think about the business that this dream that had died. What I realize now is the breath of God is on my new business. Like it's just, it's work, but it, things just keep happening. Whereas before it was like in my own effort. And so I am like now looking back, it's like, it's an obvious difference. And I am so grateful to be in where I'm at now. The crazy thing is that the very thing that I was chasing in my blog, which was to help people and encourage people and talk about like all the things and stories that I have going on in my life is actually coming full circle back now with this new business. And the cool thing is with this new business, I'm making tons of money. So it's like just everything is working out in the way that it was meant to work out. It just, one of my friends always says that your purpose never changes, but your strategy will. And so we sometimes not be scared to pivot and cut off. Well, actually has a verse that says, I cut off branches in order to bear more fruit. Now I'm, it's Jesus talking to his disciples and he's talking about spiritual fruit, but I think this principle still applies in our physical life. If something is not working and we keep 
trying to chase it, it's better to just cut it off and see what other twigs and branches spin out of that one place where we cut off and see if you can bear more fruit. And so never being scared to pivot your strategy, but knowing that eventually your purpose is still seen in that new place. One of the things you said was that in your previous business, you were constantly hustling. And I think because of the internet or the times we're in, people think that's what we have to be doing, that we have to be hustling, that we have to be grinding. But now with this new venture, you said there's this sense of ease and like things are just happening. And so I think that's really important to just highlight because I am anti-hustle culture. Like I just don't believe, especially for moms, it's not healthy and we can't hustle our way through motherhood. And so I'm really glad that you mentioned that. So for the mom who might be in this space where she has a business, she's overwhelmed with trying to, maybe she's trying to keep it going, or maybe she has her child at home and she's just feeling very overwhelmed with trying to juggle both of those pieces. What would be your message to her? I think my message to her would be to recognize your season. I have older children now. My youngest is four, and I also have tons of children that are able to take care of him. And so the out of the houseness that I'm allowed to do, I can leave the house at any time. That was impossible when I had little babies and I was nursing all the time and I was trying to figure out what to feed the children. And added to our struggle is we were very not wealthy. <laughs> and so we were having to make ends meet constantly. And I think that sometimes you're in a season, whether you have baby children at home or you don't have money, just honoring the fact that those things that feel like they're slowing you down are actually the refiner's fire that allow you to become the person you're supposed to be. And so resting in that and not fighting against it, letting it become like this fluid part. Like I'm going to be able to, like when I get a chance to work, and now it's never going to be perfect. Like sometimes you're going to have to tell your kid like, hey, mommy's working. But just allowing yourself the ability to have grace for yourself and know that what really is a priority is your children and your family, your marriage. And because your children have one mother and you are it. And they don't need a friend. There's 7 billion people in this world that can be their friend. They need a mom. And they need that mom to be present. They need that mom to make them feel important and create boundaries so that they can go and live lives themselves. And so just honoring that season that you're in and knowing that eventually that will end. You'll be in a place where your children are older, where you have more money. And you have more time or you have more resources, even if it means more networking resources, more people, you know, that it'll come. If it's meant for you, there's no traffic in your lane. If it's meant for you, it'll happen. I think that is so spot on. Recognize your season. I know when I first had my daughter, I breastfed. And as I just went along, I realized like I would constantly start saying to myself, this too shall pass. This isn't always she's not going to be nursing forever. We're not going to have certain little struggles forever. She's going to sleep through the night one day. And we're here now and looking back, it's OK. We got through that. We can get through this. So I think what you said about recognizing your season was really good. And then the whole for me, I had to shift my mindset a little bit, too. And so instead of feeling or having negative thoughts of, 
I shifted my mindset to say, instead of I have to, I get to. I get to be able to feed my daughter. And that really just changes your perspective on things. Like you said, we're the only mother. Like I get to be home with my daughter. I get to see her grow up. And so I think those are really important things. So definitely thank you for sharing that. But you talked about seasons and you're entering into a new season. You mentioned it earlier, Mrs. Texas, the pageant. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you even get involved with that? And how can we get more information about that? Sure. I am not a pageant girl. I never done anything like this. I'm ex roller derby person. Got tattoos. I actually was an ex heroin addict, and so like my past is not like this beautiful, pretty past. And so I just some things have happened that just showed me that speaking and being out in and giving an encouraging message was something that God wanted me to do. And so I was at a women's conference and Mrs. America spoke. She had won the previous title a number of years ago. And she was talking about being able to share her faith with people that otherwise wouldn't listen because of her title. And it perked my ears up because one of my favorite things to talk about is my story of redemption and how God took me from a sexually abused heroin addict who had bulimia into a thriving businesswoman, mom of seven. And so I started getting on the website and I started thinking, oh, this is interesting, but the website wasn't really like phone friendly. So I thought, I'll do it later. The next week I saw Mrs. Universe speak, just totally unrelated in two different events. And she said exactly the same thing. She is a beautiful woman and she supports women who have been in the foster care system who are now raising children. And she said, but when I got this title, people started listening. And I thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to get on the website. I've got a message to spread, but no, not that no one wants to listen to me. When you have a title, when, you ha- when you're someone who's important in the eyes of the world, like they'll, they want to hear what you have to say. They want to know, how did you get there? Because it's not every day someone runs for Mrs. Texas or Mrs. America. So I just applied and I thought, okay, like maybe I'll get in. Probably one of the older people in there. I'm 42 and I'm going to be going up against a newly married 25 year old. So we'll see. But I got the message that I had gotten in and I'm only one of 50 women in the Texas area that are running. And so I'm just like, okay, like just following, like I said before, following those little breadcrumbs of life and just we'll see where it goes. If I win, great. If I don't, that's great too. It's just a fun experience. Oh my goodness, that sounds so exciting. And I just love that we've heard about these breadcrumbs that are being laid before you and you're just following them. You just mentioned your transformation, your redemption story. Can you go a little bit deeper into that and just share with us what that looked like and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in church-ish culture and was going to a small town Baptist church. And the youth pastor there, just now looking back, I knew he groomed quite a few young girls. And so I was one of those that he chose to groom and just didn't really know what was going on. And he was an adult and I was 11. And eventually it was all found out that something was going on. And the church, when we confronted the church or when my parents confronted the church, they actually blamed me. And so on top of being already like in a situation that I shouldn't have been, I was in a church situation 
that shouldn't have been. I should have been supported. I should have been protected. And I wasn't. And so that led me into the deep despair. And I'm like a little hefty. And I raised like Kate Moss, very waifish models on Calvin Klein on the TV. And I just remember one day going, I'm too fat. And, and I think it was that idea that thought I'm not enough. Something is wrong. I Mark fell into that. And because what I realized looking back is that there was like a deep blackness inside of me from this event. And I was just trying to purge myself from it. I wanted to like distance myself from something that I felt was disgusting. And that, that occurred for eight years and I was really good at hiding it. I got dangerously thin and everybody suspected, but no one could really catch me. And, but on top of that, I got really heavily involved in drugs, selling drugs, drinking, moved up to Austin, got introduced to heroin and started using needles very regularly. And I was, I'm a writer, so I was writing this book and it had some like undertones of like apocalyptic revelations type of undertones. And so I thought, well, a good writer goes and does research and I, I need to go get a Bible to do research. And I dropped a hit of X and got in my car and drove around <laughs> and because that's what you should be doing when you drop a hit of X. And I, I knew something was changing. I had actually written in my diary, something big is going to happen to me. And I walked into this church and I was literally dressed like the bride of Satan. I had the black veil, a black tutu and like a leather bodice. And so it was blood red lipstick. And so these like little old ladies that let me in were like, probably so scared. They were like, what is this crazy girl doing? And I said, can I have a Bible? And they went in the back. I'm assuming they went in the back because they went together to pray for me. They probably were like, this lady is crazy. And they came out with a Bible. But during that time when they had gone back into the back with the Bible, I absolutely had this like, just need to go into the chapel and that the doors were locked. And I was like, who locks the chapel doors? That's just not okay. And so I said, can I please get to the chapel? And they were like, hesitant, but they let me in. And as I enter into the chapel, there's this beautiful wood crucifix. And I just instantly knew I was home. I knew that all the things that I had been struggling with, all the questions that I had left unanswered were just right there in front of me. And my life was forever changed. And I went and tried to tell everyone about Jesus. They had no desire to listen to me. And I was like, no, not the G like and the church. This like really personal Jesus who like just transformed my heart. Like I am a new person standing before you. And they, no one wanted to, no one wanted to hear, but I'm still here today telling that thing. There is a, this wonderful God and he absolutely adores you. And all he wants is good things for you. It's just a matter of getting to know him. So that's my story and everything has been up from there. Wow. That's so powerful. And there's so many people who don't make it out of where you were. And so for you to be able to be here today, just alive, but also thriving, I think that is amazing and a blessing. So thank you so much for sharing that story with us. I want to switch it up. We're going to go into our rapid fire round. So this round is really fun. I'll ask you this or that, and then you just tell me which one. Okay, so for movies, are you action or rom-com? Action. Ooh, okay. Do you have a favorite movie? Political, like political action type of movie. Born Supremacy and we're watching 
the recruit on Netflix right now. Oh, okay, okay. For your home, a chef or house cleaner? Ooh, house cleaner every day. Yes, okay. Shopping online or in person? I probably say online. Awesome. So that wraps it up. So this has been really a refreshing chat. Thank you so much again, Elaine, for coming on. Let people know how we can get in contact with you, what you have coming up so we can stay connected with you. For sure. So if you're looking for a speaker or podcast guest or you want to know about more about the Mrs. Texas pageant, you can go to elainemingus.com. If you are looking for the most amazing vintage furniture and you can go visit me at curbvulture.com and that's a little nod to like where I started out just picking stuff up off the side of the road and selling it. Now I full-time do vintage and you can sign up for emails there. I send out a weekly email with the latest vintage furniture in the Austin area. I also do ship nationwide and I also have some beautiful Moroccan rugs that I import from Morocco. Nice. Okay. So guys, all of this information will be linked in the show notes. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us in the suite and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mom CEO Suite podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can you do us a favor? Leave a review on iTunes and share with other moms in business like you. Help us spread our message and empower others who are at this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship.